Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start And Jane Netflix will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network And this is going to be a fantastic show. We have Pastor Michael Jones here, and we're going to talk about everlasting benefits of obedience. And this is really an interesting book. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, friend. I'm doing great. How about you? Hanging in there slowly. What can I say? <laughs> so <laughs> We all are. <laughs> yeah, this is like, you know, the only good part about doing this is I don't have to wear a mask when I'm doing my yeah, show. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like I'm living... I'm living in an incognito. So I have the book in front of me with a whole bunch of notes. And this the first chapter really is very important. It's called How to Choose Lifelong Friends. And I try to explain that to my nieces and nephews. How do you choose the right people and know that they are the right ones that you're supposed to be with? You know, um, it's, it's really interesting because uh, most tend to choose friends that, they already have a preset model of who they yeah. feel they'll be comfortable with or compatible with. And um, you know, that is really not the case because our opinions of people can be biased. And sometimes mm-hmm. we formulate relationships with people we feel um, are compatible when they're really not. We see things that we, we tend to see the good sides of everything, and, and that's a, a big credit for individuals. But um, unfortunately, that's not always the case, and we miss the clues that you know mm-hmm. could lead us to know otherwise. So, like everything else, we have to pray about it, and um, you know, pray for that spiritual guidance and enlightenment. Um, because I, I feel, friend, quite frankly, you know, since God knows everyone, he already knows with whom we'll be compatible. And so we have to really ask him in earnest to make those choices for us. Yeah, I know. My mother picked my friends. She was wise. <laughs> she, she, I'm very perceptive, too, so I can tell right away if somebody is right for me or wrong. And I give them a chance, yeah. but usually I'm right. But she picked all my friends, and she picked very well. I can't complain. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I, my sister didn't always listen, but I did. my sister had one friend that finally I said to her, I think you need to call her today because she really is very strange and her mother is even stranger. You don't need to get involved with that. So she finally listened too. But my mom had, my mom was good. But there are wow. several models that you put in the book. I have the actually this book is one of the few books I didn't I didn't give this one away because I wanted to be able to refer to it. You have the model, the equal, the admirer. These are different types of friends that people have, uh-huh. and 
Yeah, the model is a friend, is someone who has accomplished the goals we have set to accomplish for ourselves. Is that a good person that you want a person to be modeled, like a perfect model, a role model? I I think it is. Um, you know, part of mm-hmm. that character is that we we sometimes tend to admire people who um, have accomplished the things that we mm-hmm. have set out for ourselves. And if it's someone who is not selfish in their ways of giving or or helping you to get to your levels, yes, I, I think that's a great um, person if they're willing to, you know, um, share their steps of success. And, you know, it's good in a way to, to mm-hmm. be friends with those people if they're sincere. And then the second one, it says the equal. This type of friend is usually found right within your peer group, but that doesn't mean that they're right for you. It's just like someone that may be trying to impress you, to press them, press you. How do you feel about that one? Well, I I feel that's where we have to really be um, yeah. perceptive. And yeah. I, I feel that they could be great friends because, you know they're on the same peer group. They there's really no room for pretentiousness. You can actually see through the the characteristics of that person because you know they tend to share the same interests, um, mm-hmm. you know the same likes, the same. You have a lot more in common than with someone who you don't. And um, I I feel it's a lot easier to connect. And, and get along with individuals who, who um, share the same interests um, that you do. The last one bothers me because a lot of kids do this. They admire mm-hmm. somebody that they respect or they look up to, they think is wonderful, or that actress is great, or he plays really well in sports. And how does that sometimes cloud their judgment, or doesn't it? Well, it it, it can sometimes. Yeah. Um, because you know you can see things you 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 think you're seeing <laughs> you see things you want to see so mm. it's a, a lot of um the sorting process is on us who we don't go for face value but i think what's important is when that person you know um is delivering or lives up to the expectations um sincere expectations that we have of them, then you know the, they become a model for you know someone who could be you know a good friend um, because we we you know it's 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 all in a positive light so to speak you know we're we're looking up to that person who is willing to share their experiences and um, it's important I feel uh, like for example let's say. Your dentist, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're people too, and yeah. you might go to the office for a rather painful experience, and they have a really nice image or a photograph of, you know, a family outing or or their their dog, their pets, and and mm-hmm. you know, it really helps to create, I mean, level ground for both of you because you have something on which you can relate. You you might be a dog lover too. Um and 
that really helps to bring um, that person into your space when you're able to to talk freely about things where once you might have, you know, said, well, how do I approach this person or is this person even approachable? But they're showing you that, hey, they're about family values, they're about mm-hmm. other interests in which you might be, you might have an interest and hence you can make, you know, a genuine connection at times. So that, would be my hand, that would be my hand surgeon, not my dentist. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that would be my hand, my hands, my hand surgeon. When I went, I broke my thumb last month. That what a joke that was, horrible. Um, he actually called me the other day to see if I was okay and cracked some wow. jokes. He's, he doesn't always crack jokes or anything, but he's he's with me. He's he thinks I'm a riot anyway. And he's been on my radio <laughs> show, so we love him. So the next one oh, is oh, the most oh. is dangerous. The dangers of a deceitful tongue. When people try to fool you, when a friend says something and they try to get somebody to do something that's wrong and they don't see it, how do you work with that? That's dangerous because sometimes teenagers don't realize that their friends are not really their friends, that they're just trying to get them to do something that's wrong. Like go smoke a cigarette, which never, uh, or do this or take take some pot and no one's going to find out. Your mother's not going to know. And five minutes later, yeah, well, my mother would just look at me and she knew everything. I never did anything wrong. I knew better. The Ruthie look. <laughs> Seriously, you you got you got ninety nine on the test. You're going to write it over. Why didn't you get a hundred? I said, ask the teacher. It's her fault, not mine. So, <laughs> so how do you deal with that? Um, I, I I feel that the best remedy is to put the ownership on the person who's delivering either the invitation mm-hmm. or a challenge or you know. Whatever it is, trying to connect you with an experience that especially might not be um, conducive for, you know, um, a good experience. So what what I tend to do is if someone brings me information about someone Mm -hmm. and I feel this person is just a gossip monger, then I will ask them, you know, quite simply, hey, does that person have your permission to talk about them in this manner? Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to put the ownership and, and get that person into a thinking mode rather than just idly, you know, delaying information which might not be true and mm-hmm. have them authenticate, you know, what is it they had in mind or what is it they con- they're conveying or what really is their purpose for sharing this information? Where's the value? So um, I tend to put the ownership on, on the speaker uh, or, or the person delivering, uh, you know, the information that, that I might feel really queasy about or I'm uneasy even, you know, getting into a discussion or a debate on with with that person. So that really helps to kind of, you know, weed out the bad wheat, if you will, and, you know, um, just kind of keep people at bay or, or let them think more about what they're up to or, or they're going to do before coming forward with information like that. Yeah, I think teenagers have to also think about the fact that if I do what this person says or listen to this information, is there going to be a consequence that I'm going to face? Correct. And figure out if if they, yeah that was the other thing I told that to my students before you do something wrong like yell scream have a fight yell at the teacher do the wrong thing think about what we're gonna what's gonna happen what's your consequence is it worth it 
And they usually look right. at me going, no, it's not, that's not worth it because you're going to get me. Nope. They're not. Right. <laughs> so, right. The next... so in, that, that awareness is, is to me, um, very critical, very crucial because, you know, people are, they're, they're enthralled about sharing whether good or yeah. bad. And when, you know, the listener can help them to understand, especially if you have others within earshot, is that this information might go a lot longer in terms of where it's going or who's listening more than you want to. And the mm-hmm. the, the bad thing about words is that you, once they come out of your mouth, you can't really take them back if yeah. they're not productive. And so you have to be, you know, mindful of the things you share with, with others. So I kind of put the ownership on the would-be speaker. <clears throat> yeah. Let them know that, you know, they have a responsibility to put out information that's value-added, you know. I think the people on the news need to hear that too, with their information <laughs> that they're sharing, and 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 the, and, the, and the tweets that we don't need to listen to either. I mean, seriously. So, so true. the next true. chapter I have is the seven key principles to having the best marriage. So, what would you say they are? Um, you know, there. Th- that's a very ticklish topic. And yeah, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think skip it. <laughs> no, I think it definitely should be talked about because what I'm finding is a lot of people, um, when they think about marriage, I don't think it's a a well thought of um, life experience the way it should. Mm-hmm. I, I realize that people tend to put together a very mixed bag of, of pleasantries that they would like to see appear in that relationship without even talking about it. And and I think they they go into this marriage for, for different reasons. Um, and, you know, it could be so dangerous. Maybe that person is a great person to them in their eyes. They did not do, like, due diligence. Well, am I marrying someone who, you know, has gotten out of jail after 20 years? Um, I might need to explore that possibility a little bit, or a lot in in some cases. Uh, I might need to find, you know, family history. Do they have, um, you know, a history of a certain type of illness in the family, you mm-hmm. know, like cancer or, or other? You, you need to know, I think, um, what could or what the possibilities are coming down the pike that, Mm-hmm. Maybe neither of you have control over and, and talk about those things. Um, I remember when, you know, when before I got married to my wife, um, we we talked about everything. You know, we needed to know the, the health of our parents, of, of you know, their parents and, and, and siblings. And mm-hmm. we, we wanted to know what was going on, um, if who had epilepsy or epileptic you know different things so that we could enter a relationship not just with the warm and fuzzy areas of our lives but thinking on a deeper end that could be you know um, destructive or not in the long run and not that it deters how you feel but it helps to put you in a better frame of mind that 
you know, if this were to happen, I wouldn't be surprised or as surprised as, you know, some people are. i give you a great example, Fran. Um, mm-hmm. Someone I know right now, right now, as mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, actually, um, her husband developed stage four cancer. Oh, and God. Yes, he went to the hospital just yesterday and actually fainted while he went for his treatment, the cancer center. And, you know, all of a sudden he's whisked away. He's in the hospital as we speak. And it's a complete surprise to the spouse because she wasn't really aware of this person's medical um, condition. Mm -hmm. So she had no idea, you know, that this was an episode that was going to take place in her future. And so everything that happens um, is a, is of a surprise now, and it, it it has a very devastating effect uh, on her. And it, it's really sad to see that, and uh, not knowing how to deal with that, always waiting or dependent on a phone call, or you know, it's 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 really hard to to watch those experiences taking place. So I think. You know, turning on the Discovery Channel, um, especially in the in the dating days where people mm-hmm. are supposed to, you know, um, learn. I think it's a learning experience about the other. Um, is oftentimes missed because folks tend to spend more time on, well, you know, hey, where are we going for dinner? What on the fun factor? Then. Yeah. And and you know they they kind of bypass the really, really important things that can affect the future, you know. Um, is this person working or are they just out for, you know, opportunities? You, you have to know those things because you, you figure you're spending a life decision with someone, you know. Do they know God? <laughs> you know, to, are you marrying someone that worships like Buddha or somebody else? You, you have to understand those differences because... It might be great for, you know, the persons involved. They might have a great relationship. Don't get me wrong, but if you plan on having kids, um, and h- how do you determine who goes where or what kind of school mm-hmm. they go to? It, it's it's going to impact you or your relationship at some point down the road. I, I was talking to um, my wife last night, and I said, you know, I was reading on, I think it was Yahoo News, and this guy um, and his wife, after 17 years, 17 years, friend, they decided that the marriage isn't working. What took mm. so long? I, I, I don't, these, these are the things that I, I really can't comprehend because um, it, it it makes you wonder what is it that kept them together that long, and 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 all of a sudden, reality is is jumping in, and you are you you at this moment are deciding based on whatever factors that this relationship is not the one for you. Did you invite God to your wedding? Did you ask Him for, you know, His what His choices um, mm-hmm. would be for you, and. and I, I think that oftentimes those um, those decisions are overlooked, and 
folks get caught up in a very mixed bag of issues when they come across or they get to that fence where they have no idea how to cross that. And it's much easier to just ball up the relationship like a piece of paper and, and throw it away. And it's, it's really it's really sad to see that. I know. I've so, seen it too many times in my family, mm-hmm. too. I'm bored with wow. this person. I found somebody else. Well, wow. obviously, you're going to be bored with the next person, too, and it happens. And I'm bored with this one, too, and I can't make up my mind. It's it's scary. It is. It's, it's yeah. upsetting. I mean, as far yeah, as an illness, I wish somebody would have told me that my mother was going to get Alzheimer's, but you don't know. You don't know. My God. So, yeah, yes. one day she just went to the hospital, and they said she's losing her memory. I said she's going to be fine. But it took 10 years before she actually died from it, and she was lucky because we were able to do something to help her. But basically when you see something that's incurable, like cancer or leukemia or, God forbid that, or Alzheimer's, it it gets you. It really gets you. Yes. So the the next chapter I think everybody needs to read. Well, maybe people need counseling before they decide to get married. Maybe they need to understand all that. Maybe before they, they make that decision, they need to do something like that, seriously. And maybe teenagers yeah. need that, that kind of counseling before they date a boyfriend that's not good for them. Yes, yes, they do. You know, it's, it's, it's helping them to turn on a discovery channel of their own. I think um, mm-hmm. kids tend to be more on the rebellious side because they can't see, like most parents, they can't really understand their thought process because it's not one that's, ex- mm-hmm. that's exploratory in nature. And parents tend to be more top-down when they're giving, you know, instructions rather than exploring um, their kid's mindset as to why they make the choice. Rather than a, a warm set of arms and, you know, an occasional flower or chocolate, you know, what is it that you see in this person? Do they even know what your favorite colors are, you know? And come to find out that there's a very large area where each other knows hardly anything about the other. It's just that, oh, they're a nice person. Well, what is the definition? That's it, yeah. That's exactly right. They they get clouded by wealth. They get caught. Oh, the parents are very well-to-do. What does that have to do Mm. with anything? Oh, she'll have everything. She'll have everything that she wants, except maybe a smile on your face. I mean, really. (laughs) True. It's, now this, it's, 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 it's sad It's sad And I, I don't know where You know It, it really These models these, these role models of marriages Are being created And you know It's unfortunate that Mine young or You know mature Tend to fall in the same trap Is, mm-hmm. is fashioning you know, the status quo that they want based on other people's experiences come to find out that years later it hadn't worked for them either. And, you know, they, they've left a very important component out of the marriage, and that is by, you know, talking to, to God about that because he's the one that actually created the ultimate model for for marriages, and um, it's it's uh, it's sad to see that sometimes you look at the expense that uh, I think someone spent forty two million dollars on a wedding. I was reading last night, and I oh god, I, I, I fell asleep, and now he is he's bankrupt, 
and, and I'm saying how extravagant, you know, you have so many issues in this world, yet you're looking at your perception of fun and what you think. You're trying to impress folks with your wealth by doing this and doing that. And in, in the long run, like you said, these people never have conflict. Yeah. They don't know each other. And here it is. You have to start life all over again. So it's it's, it's a very um, interesting uh, trap or decisions that folks fall into when they don't, you know, follow a set of steps or precepts that they should before making such an amazing and such yet a, a long-lasting decision. That, that, I, don't, I could never see $42,000 on a wedding. It's a status symbol for me. Yeah. To me, it's like, yeah. oh, my friend had this one and my friend had that one. And when I married Jeff, we went to the Justice of the Peace. Of course, that's $50. And we had the family for lunch and dinner. It was less than 300 and it was really nice. And it was just, wow. as, just as wonderful because I said, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. I don't need mm-hmm. to spend... And I don't need to show up. And I basically wanted the people that mattered. Right. right. Yeah. And there was just a handful of people that mattered. Everybody else just would have been there for whatever reason. So, which brings you to the brings me to the the next topic, which is really interesting, money. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it says the eight spiritual principles are overcoming money related issues. I think everybody needs this one. The first one it says dismiss the idea that you own your that you own the money or property that you have acquired. Systematic typing, typing and offering. This is an interesting chapter, people. You should read it seriously. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing this with one hand, so I don't lose the page. Redefine oh, current lifestyle choices. That's an important one. How do you redefine mm-hmm. your current lifestyle life, lifestyle choices? And the other thing that I think is very, 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 very relevant is pay off your debts as quickly as possible so that you don't owe a lot of interest and stuff. So how do you redefine the way you're living if you can't afford it anymore? Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's a that's a really huge problem for many because, yeah. um, you know, they tend to overlive on, you know, things that they can't afford um, I, I, I found that writing this chapter really brought a lot of things full circle because, you know, first of all, God really hates when we waste when we waste the resources that he allows us to communicate, uh, I mean, to accumulate. And so when we spend all that we have, we are abusive, really. I can't even find a, a better word. Um, usually on things that uh, don't promote growth. And in the end, we end up not having any. We end up giving him the leftovers. And sometimes we overspend to where we don't have anything to contribute to to God in terms of tithe and offering and things like that. Those are a blessing in itself. So when we don't have anything to give to God who gives us everything, there's going to be a problem. And if we tend to abuse what he allows, then we're going to have issues down the road a bit. So we have to take an appraisal of the things that are draining us at at this moment and saying, you know, 
I'm spending too much on this or I'm spending too much mm-hmm. on that. It's it's so funny. I was looking at even the corporate structure where, you know, I I used to spend like an average of ten to fifteen dollars a day just on lunch, friends. And oh, God. when I took a simple model of, you know, ten dollars and I said, I'm working five days for the week, that's fifty dollars a week times four you know, that's a lot, $200 just on lunch, a meal that you don't even get the opportunity to finish because most people have a half hour for lunch. And then you have to somehow find a way to commute to the place to buy your lunch. And you, you're spending 200 of your hard-earned money, and most of the times you end up throwing away a lot of it. That got my attention because $2,400 a year on one meal I sometimes don't even like was a waste. So I figure, hey, you know what? If I bought a bread and I bought some I bought mm-hmm. some various meats and I made my own sandwich, I could have healthier choices and and I could have, you know, more food for less. So starting to to take an appraisal of, of how I did things and then what I had to eat um and how much it, it was costing me I I literally freaked myself out. I, I couldn't believe I was spending so much on one mm-hmm. meal that didn't include breakfast or 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 dinner and and lunch. I was wasting twenty four hundred dollars a year, and I wondered to myself, how many people actually um, do what I'm doing? And I started to, to take surveys, and it, some people were spending more. <laughs> More than I was, and when they came into that reality, mm-hmm. I mean, they just, you know, they just, they just stopped. They, they started making wiser choices, and to me, that was just, um, it was an amazing, you know, turnaround for me, and you know, an awareness factor that I needed to understand um, many years ago. Not just because it's, it, it seems convenient in, in a part of the in crowd that I could, you know, say hello to this person or that person, do I go to waste? But I could have a quiet lunch, more time to read or write, and, you know, I'd, I'd spend far less money. I'd have more money to give um, to others who, you know, um, might not have. It was a lot more purposeful, my income at that point. I couldn't tell you if you said to me, Mike, hey, you know, um, what did you buy for lunch this week? I, I, I honestly, I would have to sit and think about it. It has no, not much value because most of it was unhealthy. But mm. you know, I can tell you who I bought a pair of pants for. I bought a new pair of shoes for, and, and how I spent the funds that were, you know, a lot more um, value added, a lot more appreciated, and that that was fulfilling. That was more fulfilling for me. Well, I know how that feels because my mother made me lunch. Oh wow! And she would, she did, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she, I cracked up laughing. She said, "You know, it's it's exp- the diner back then was not that bad. Now, if you go to the diner for lunch, it's twenty five dollars just for soup oh, and whatever. Wow. It's expensive. Uh-huh. So a lot of times I just buy stuff, whatever. But my mother made the best lunches in the world." So, oh, which really awesome. was was great. So I didn't have to sit and worry about what I ate. You know, once in a while I went out with my friends, you know, for lunch, just to get out mm-hmm. of this food, 
just so that I can get some air. But basically, we had a group that um, ate together. And the, and the rule was, which I thought was really cool, was you couldn't talk about school. You had to talk about anything else. Mm. You know, what, what are you going to do for the weekend? Uh, what the kids were doing? You know, what 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 other thing? Who who is friend seeing this week? Because I wasn't married. You know, gossip. You know, pure gossip. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And wow. you got your mind you got your mind off of of everything, and it was it was right. better. It was yeah. much better. Yeah. You don't have to worry about rushing back to. To work, or yeah. you know, next thing you know, people are getting in accidents, and your your, your mindset, your priorities. That yeah, it was fun. Who came before you? He thought his lunch was more important. You have a lot less to think about, and and to me, it was it was really awesome in, in many many ways that we don't really most people don't really think about these days. So, you know, having homemade lunches were the best. <laughs> You're right. Not only that, Your but we had we. I was in charge of the coffee pot, so they didn't have to worry. The coffee wow. pot was always ready. Yeah, that, for some reason in my room we had, like, somebody brought a 36-thing coffee thing, and then they had a small one, and one of the one of the new principals walked in one day. He says, you can't have that. I said, oh, but I can. This is my room. Too bad on you. I said, and if you want coffee, wow. you're going to have to join the coffee club. And he looked at me. It was brand new. I said, and you really want to stay in this building? It's not going to happen if you give me a hard time. She said, well, okay, oh, lunch and whatever. So what we did was we compromised. I said, okay, mm-hmm. when the cl- my reading group comes in, and my kids came in, it's quarter to seven in the morning. Teachers came in for coffee. I had a, um, took the coffee from the carafe on there, and I put it in a, a carafe, or I put it in a thermos so that it didn't fall. So that he didn't care about that. Um, wow. I, I, I said, you're not getting the coffee. Are you kidding? Okay, the other <laughs> thing is that the dangers of a credit card. And I know that people yeah. say, oh, it's a credit card, and you know what, it's, it's, I'm just paying for whatever. Then you don't realize you're getting a bill, and yeah. you're getting interest. So how, do you, how yeah. do you curve that? And the other thing is, and I was asked to do this once before, and I didn't do it, and I wouldn't, is the dangers of co-signing for somebody else. You don't want to do that, ever. No, 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 not at all. Um, you know, I and some people will say, oh, you know, that's so selfish and everything. But, you know. Not really. It's it's you're you're chaining yourself to someone who is making a promise that if you, if they can you know um, fulfill their obligations, then that puts you in mm-hmm. in a position where you have to you know um, fill in for them, and and I, I don't I don't think that's that's very wise because if they could not have afforded what their acquisition desires were, um, then they shouldn't buy it or make a different choice. And so, you know, the one thing God hates is, is indebtedness or being a slave to someone else's music. Mm-hmm. And that is one sure and easy way to do that. The, the trap there is that, you know, um, the requester or the person wanting that co-signer will, will use the emotional word help. Mm-hmm. Help me. Yeah. Or, and and that's the part where we have to really um, be aware of, especially family members. And no, no ill on them. They're just doing what, you know, they consider normal. But the thing is, friend, is when you look at, you know, a 30-year debt or you're looking that's at right. four to six years for a car or something like that, 
you you really have to think about the risks involved putting that person behind a 10,000 pound piece of machine with a steering wheel. They don't have full control of everything. You're on the road with a lot of other anxious people and um, things could happen. Now then accident takes place and all of a sudden your life takes a whole new twist into yeah, because you're responsible for that loan too. You're responsible. If they can't pay it. You're responsible. Yeah. It's almost like you're marrying that person. Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, over again. You know, people just they don't think about those things. I would rather say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a gift. Here's some money to help you get in there, but I'm not going to put my name on that release or on that person. That's right. Because you're you're tying you're tying me to things I, I don't want to be tied to. So. I, I agree. I agree because I had somebody, one of my family members. I won't say who's. Oh, I'll pay you back. I go. You never do anyway. I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And then finally, wow. I said, okay. I realized that you know this has this is coming up and whatever. I said I'm not, I stopped giving the money. I said you know what? Mm-hmm. You're old enough. You're wise enough. You have your own job. You need to get a job. You need to make yourself more responsible. I've been working since I'm ten. Uh-huh. In my father's store. Mm-hmm. If I wanted money, I had to work in the cleaning store, bag and spot the work, just like anybody else, and I got $20 mm-hmm. for the Saturday. And there wow. was no discussion in the matter. I started teaching when I was 18 years old, and my mother said, even in the summer school, you're going to go to summer mm-hmm. school, you're going to advance, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Oh, she was really. I mean, there was no such thing as not working. I, I paid my own way through college. My parents didn't pay wow. it. I did and that would, and it was not like my father said to me he wouldn't pay. I said, no, it's my responsibility, not yours. I'm not signing any loans, and I'll pay it wow. out as I go. And when I went for uh-huh. my third master's, I, they, I said to the people at Manhattan, they said, well, you have a very high index, so don't worry about it. It was wow. $2,000 every six months, and they let me pay it out in increments because I said I was smart. <laughs> they didn't care <laughs> as, long as, as long as I was there. So the the other thing that I'm finding that families, people do, everybody's done this, you, everybody does it. You walk into a store and you just buy something on impulse because you got to have it. Yes. And you yes. have to have it. And even if you can't afford it, and I have to pay the, the electric bill, but I, I need to have that new pair of shoes. So how do you stop that? I uh, mean, that, that, well, that, that's hard. That's a hard one. Yeah, I, I, I say to folks, I say, listen, know what you want before you go. And stick to that because you can invite a world of pain into your life. Think think about your your quality of living. You could go in yeah. for a roll of, you know, um, hand sanitizers or something like that or bottles or whatever it is you go for, reasonably inexpensive. And then you go in, you see everyone grabbing a cart <laughs> or, or a basket. You yeah. went for one item. Why do you need a shopping cart? So you have to really pay attention to what you do at all times because it's so easy to get swept up in what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I know I've gone in for Q-tips, you know, like to Walmart or something, and next thing I know, I had to have a basket. And I said to myself, I said, Mike, what are you doing? You, you know, you have toothpaste already. You already have a toothbrush. You already have this. You already have that. Why do you need a basket to shop to spend more? You just went in for one item. So that's where the discipline started to come in because it it 
cut down. It helped me to manage my time. Mm-hmm. I can say, you know, I can't really manage time, but I manage my behavior. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I don't take a basket when I go into can. I haven't gone into a store. I'm impressed. I haven't gone into a wow. store in four months since this pandemic. And the stores, wow. are, the stores up here, yeah, they're open. I mean, I'll go into a supermarket for food because you need food. I'll yes. go into Trader Joe's because they're the only ones that have the tomato sauce that doesn't kill my stomach. <laughs> but basically, Kmart's open, Marshall's, Burlington. And I see mm-hmm. the store opens at 9, and there's a line outside the door at 7.30 in the morning. Yes, yes. And that's I was like, I, I, won't, I won't get online. I won't be in a store with a lot of people. And I'm afraid. I, I, yeah, I, I don't blame you. And, and then, you know, you're you're putting your health at peril. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, it's not worth it. Putting a hole in your pocketbook as well. So, you know, it's almost like a double jeopardy thing. And I, I, I can't, I can't subscribe to that, Fred. I just, I don't see the, yeah. the need. I have, if I already have all the the pants in my closet, all the shirts I need, you know what? It's incumbent on me to. To do the laundry once a week, or you know, that's do why I have the laundry like guy that, down the block. <laughs> that, that's so, my one luxury. In this building, you can't do laundry; it's impossible. So the laundry guy down the block loves me, and you know, once a week I send it to him and go, "Okay, I have a bag of laundry." He lo- he he bows down. He says, "Oh my God, my favorite person is here," because he does a good <laughs> job, and I don't have to. And I don't have to sit and worry about it. And I learned something yeah. else. And I have a very small shoe size. So I can't buy shoes anyway, so if I see something that's not expensive, Amazon works just fine. Perfect. If you need an extra pair of socks, if you need a pair of shoes, if you need something, and they deliver the next day. And Uh you don't have to go into a store. Exactly. And and that's amazing because you you manage your time better. You you, you know, your activities, you you spend more time doing the things that you really, really want to do. If, If I were to think about, oh, you know, I should go to uh, Walmart or Macy's because they're having a sale. Really, is yeah. that the reason to go, or is it because you need that item? So the first thing I really try to do is to separate my needs from my wants. And mm-hmm. once I have those two categories defined, it really kind of helps to dictate what I'm what I'm going to do for the next hour. Uh, it helps. It's, it's helpful. It's really helpful. You know, you go to like Walmart now, and the lines are outrageous. And yeah, I don't do know, that. Like, yeah, do I really need to spend the time going in there for this or for that? So it it, it helps me to be a better manager, I think, um, of how you know I do things, and I feel a lot more fulfilled at the end of my day because I get a lot more accomplished that way. Well, so, I'm lucky in in some sense that. The guy in the bakery knows that I can only eat certain things, so they'll call me and say, "I made you, I made you the tuna fish without the celery," or, um, or the guy in the deli that loves me. And I called him before, and I said, "Do you have the rolls that are very small that I can chew because I have a problem since my surgery?" So mm-hmm. he said, "We didn't get them today, but for you, I'm going to order a dozen. You could freeze them. I'll have them for you tomorrow." Oh, so that's awesome. the, the little, the littlest things. I mean, and I appreciate it. And for that. Mm-hmm. I, I usually, you know, announce whatever. I have to announce one place at the end of the show that did me a favor last week, too. I mean, the small businesses up here are having a hard time. And yes. it's hard to get into them, this construction. So before we end, I have this, this chapter, probably I think a lot of people wonder about it. I wonder about it. 
Mm-hmm. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because you often wonder, I don't do this. I, I do book reviews, and I don't charge anybody. I go, mm-hmm. I do my radio show. I pay for the network, but that's something I want to do because it makes me feel good, and I don't mind doing it. And doing the interviews actually is stressless. It puts a little. It just makes me calm, and I'm happy. I don't mind doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of things that I don't get paid for, and yet I seem to feel like, why did that happen? How come when I was walking in the street last month and I had my mask on and my glasses got fogged, why did I fall and break my thumb and hit my head and hurt myself? And and I was like, why? And I was like, why did this happen? And there were two people that wanted to pass me actually came back to help me out because I was embarrassed. And my head, my head hit the ground. I hurt my elbow. But they did come back and said, are you okay? Do you need us to wow. call anybody? And Jeff was there. They, they were really nice. So that made me mm-hmm. feel good. But why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, it's just like, why? It's not fair. And I get mm-hmm. upset and go, like, I know everything. I know it happens. But yes. I, I was thanking God that at least it wasn't, my nose wasn't broken. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I, I feel that despite the things that God allows, um, there's always a good reason to to thank him for that. But yeah, I did. On a more, yeah, on a more you know severe scale, is that men on uh, when you look back even at the, the uh, from a historical standpoint, men have always been very destructive in in nature, and no matter what we think, sometimes. First of all, it's good. It's good to us, but to God, He because He sees things differently, and we could look at things as being really good, and you know this and that. And the one thing that's good to you might not be a good thing for me. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I I could be a great bank robber. <laughs> And <laughs> that's great for me, but it's horrible for the people who had to go through that experience. Yeah. And so, you know, there are times when God has to remind us that he's the one in charge. Like this that's pandemic, right. for example, you know, we don't have a, a known cure for stuff like this. And, you know, the Bible talks about that. It talks about the fact that if we are faithful to him, Pandemics won't have any impact on your life. And, and to me, that's a promise from God himself. He's done things like put the rainbow in the sky back in the day when we had the great flood. He said, I will never destroy the earth by flood again. And yet people tend to not believe him. They, they think that God is a liar. And, you know, when we start to tread upon, you know, those kind of promises, we're inviting Issues that are much larger than we are accustomed to in our lives, and so you know, I, I, I again, I, you know, I invite people to take an appraisal of, of their lives and see why is it that some things that might be unfavorable to you are happening to you. What is your relationship with God like? And that's what that drives me back to because. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I look at the amazing promises he has, I mean, not that you're invincible or feel like, oh, you know, um, pandemics or different things can impact you, but it, it is a promise from God. So I find that those are very, um, you, you know, they're, they're very serious principles 
by which to live because it all comes back to him. And sometimes he has to cause an earthquake to take place. Sometimes a monsoon, sometimes some different things to remind man that he is still God. And that just like in the last days, when things happen to people, that like he says, well, the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. Unfortunately, those folks considered good have to experience some discomfort from time to time. But the ultimate hope is that if we live our lives to the expectation that God has in mind for us, we will be preparing ourselves for a much higher level, a much better quality of back for those who believe in that. Because that's a great hope. When he comes back, to take us to take us home. So, you know, we're gonna die for his sake. As long as everything that happens here is for his sake. That's all you have might have, you know, <clears throat> prevented you from being hit by a car or something greater. Mm-hmm. So you know, as as interesting as I sound the Bible said in all things give thanks. Because we don't know what that delay could have been up ahead. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's not temporary. But yeah. we are reminded that something worse could have happened. And, and that's how I look at times when I've injured myself. And, you know, even just putting the hammer in the wrong place I mean, <laughs> when I'm going yeah, I know. to hit a nail with something and I hit my finger and said, oh, my gosh, why did this happen? And it, it, it it's Maybe because I, I wasn't careful enough, maybe something, but it might have prevented me from something that God could see, but I couldn't. So I said, you know, I said, thank you, Lord. I don't know what was up ahead, but this is far less based on what possibly could have happened. I just have to trust that you saw an experience I could have had that I couldn't see. And I just leave it at that. And I'm, I'm you know, I feel comfortable, and I, I just hope that a lot of people would look at that. But when I look at the atrocities that some some men, some people go through to make yep. other people's lives uncomfortable, it's just no wonder that, you know, God gets very concerned about that and those people considered good um, you know, end up suffering with, with those who might not have been so good and attentive. But it'll all flesh out in one day. You know what bothers me is also, we have about five minutes, um, we walk down the street and nobody says good morning anymore. Nobody smiles. Everybody is so angry. And Mm -hmm. it is because, unfortunately, this horrible virus or whatever they think it is isn't going away anytime soon. And it's Mm -hmm. frightening because it creates a lot of stress on people. And I yes. see, you know, a lot of people losing their jobs, a lot of stores that were closed that are finally open. And, and and it bothers me because I walk into the pharmacy. I lost my pharmacy. Walgreens closed. I don't know. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. So thank God I have the pharmacist in Rite Aid. And mm-hmm. you walk in and nobody says anything. And I go over to the pe- the manager. I go, if you don't smile, I'm going to be very upset. Let's just crack up laughing. <laughs> he says, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You're cheering me up. Wow. Wow. I mean, I, it's like everyone has a, like a black cloud over their head, and I think it's it's 
coming to the point where people just don't realize, just be happy that you're okay. I mean, I had to go for urgent care, whatever reason. I didn't go for any, I just had to go for one thing. And the doctor there said, um, I'm going to test you for COVID-19. I said, but I don't have the symptoms, I'm fine. He said, well, we have to do that now. Oh, God. Okay. Trust me, you don't want to do it. If you don't have to do it, it's horrible. And I said, okay. And he said, you probably don't have it, which, thank God, I don't. It was non-detected, but it was an experience. And I go, oh, it's not one that you, it's not one that you really want. But he uh-huh. said we have to do that now. I go, gee, and I'm wow. the first person to get lucky to say how lucky can I get? Oh so, my I mean, goodness! Yeah, and, and when I got the thing on my the app on my phone from the from the uh, diagnostic center that said not detected, I said that's what, oh well, what the heck? It hurt for my my nose mm-hmm. is bothering me for a couple of days, but you know what? You live. And I said, thank God. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I fell and I hit my nose, I thought I broke my nose. And oh, I said, oh, God, thank God I didn't break my nose. You know, because it could exactly. be worse. Right. right. It could, right. It could be awesome. a, a whole lot worse. So what yeah. message would you like to leave everybody with? And when are you writing another one? Are you writing another one? Um, I'm actually, uh, you know, putting a new cover on Benefits of Obedience because when okay. I discovered that there are different types of obedience, like obedience yeah. training for dogs, obedience training for this, I, I, so I'm changing my cover and, you know, I'm beating up the book. I'm going to spend a lot more attention on the seven habits of highly um, effective Christians. I have that I one feel, in front of me too. Yes, I, I feel that there are some prescriptives that we, from a responsibility standpoint, we mm-hmm. we have to – you know, be involved very physically in those arenas to get the attention mm-hmm. of God. And if we're not, then you can almost link that to why bad things happen to good people. So um, that that chapter, I hope we get to talk about one day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... Do I have that one? Oh, that's right. I have the seven habits of highly successful Christians. That's the last chapter in this book, Right. That's the yes. last chapter in this book. Okay, so we'll have to do another one in September or October when you can, because I have the book in front of me. See? I'm, I'm, anytime you're ready, <laughs> you know, because uh, I love that chapter, and I was so inspired to write that, and it helped me to really, you know, think about what is it that God expects of my life, and I had to go back to, you know, really studying the Bible, and it it. It, it helped me to challenge myself because I, I personally had, you know, some issues. Um, you know, even as a maturing Christian, I think we all come across, you know, um, our prayer life. We have to investigate that, you know, when we start thinking about other elements like the habit of loving others without condition. We, mm-hmm. we, we tend to, to, to put conditions on how we love each other, and that's a problem for God. He has some. Very, Do I have the um, chapter in front of me? As a matter of fact, I have it outlined. So I must yes. have done this. I couldn't find the questions for the last one, so I had the book in front of me. That's how I came up with these questions. But I do have wow. the chapter in front of me, and I do underline. I did underline. You see, this is it's, wow. it's very rare that I keep a book. It's rare. Wow. Most of the time, most of the time, I just I just give them away because there are so many people that I just gave. Um, well, about 50 books to the porter in my building because the, pe- the country where he comes from has no libraries, has no books. Oh, wow. Wow. So I, I, yeah, I gave so it to him. Fun. He loves me forever. <laughs> but awesome, anyway, yeah. thank you 
Thank you so much for today. Stay safe. If you happen to see my niece, my niece, uh, tell her to, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, I've been chatting with her last week, I think, and uh, Jason, I have to see him soon. You know, they have somebody that that they wanted me to talk to, so I'm definitely going to be chatting with them later on today as well. So, um, yes, I will let them know. Well, Carly graduated. I'm very proud. I'll take credit yes. for that part. She did graduate, <laughs> and she and her aunt was right there to make sure she did. I am so oh, proud of her. Oh, but yes. before I forget, everyone, I promised the owner of the Fountain Diner, they're open people. Mm-hmm. The food is fantastic. Sal is there. And I'm going to call them right now to see if my pea soup is on the menu. <laughs> but, awesome. Michael, thank awesome. you so much. Stay safe. And whenever you're ready, just text me, and I'll make, I'll make it happen in September or October. Okay, great, great. Thank you. All right. Everybody thank have thank a great you. day. You stay yes, safe, and bye. Bye-bye.